All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast, episode 300. We got a little special show for you today. I'm your host, Tommy Tahoe. I'm surrounded by a table with three esteemed gentlemen here. We got some wine poured. We just ate some pasta, and uh, we're going to talk a little shop. We're going to talk a little life, have some giggles, and uh, make this just a fun show. So I'm going to let uh, my buddies here introduce themselves. We're going to start with my man, T-Dub, let him know. Who you are, what you do, why you're here. Yeah, Tanner Warner. I'm an AE with Nexum. We're a value-added reseller out of the city of Chicago. We're in the cybersecurity space. Been longtime friends with Tommy Tahoe here. Mm. Current roommates coming mm. to an end, unfortunately. But we're just going to yuck it up today. Okay. My man, Lake. I'm Lake Waters. I've been producing this podcast since episode 172, I believe. Ooh, let's My go. man, Ralph Barcy. Wow. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, man, I hope that that's uh, actually that's it. Right. But uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been behind the scenes here for over, uh, over a year at Millennial Sales running the thing or... It's good to good to be here. Good okay. to be in, good to be in the in the in the light. Doctor <laughs> Lake, RW. Excellent. Ryan Warner here, one of the co-hosts of this podcast back at episode one, and uh, Tom and I lived together for about a year. Sales savages together, kettlebell savages, marathon savages, and now here we are, episode three hundred in Chicago, IL. Birthplace of the baby back ribs. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having us, Tommy. Has anyone ever vetted that? Is that true? Never vetted. Love it. So I don't even have an agenda. I usually got notes. I usually got questions. I'm just looking to shoot the shit, man. Let's talk, let's talk about the early days of the pod. Let's go early days. We're talking 2016. I had no facial hair. I still don't. Mm-mm. I had nothing going for me. And we just go in and we start podcast number one. Let, let me help with bringing that up. Tell us about the planning stages. You guys were living together. You guys were both mm. selling. I don't know if you're both at Tech Target at this time. Ryan, you may have been at Salesforce. What what made you guys come up with it? What did you have that you wanted to get out to people? And who was epi- who's episode one? Episode one was Rich Stone, mm. a former colleague of ours. And the podcast came about because we were big podcast listeners. And... You know, just wanted to share some knowledge about sales, but also build the network. I think more than anything, we wanted to like start building all these relationships with people, and we figured doing a podcast would be a way to do that. So we yeah. noodled on it for about a month, and then committed. Initial name was the Sales Arena Podcast, which is still my Gmail for my <laughs> Apple account. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> That's a pretty good name. And then, uh, yeah, then we launched uh, what was TR Talk, yep. episode one was um, Rich Stone, but like you said, by episode what? We were interviewing Jordan Belfort. Episode 20. Yeah, episode one, we brought three mics to Rich Stone's apartment, six Ballast Point beers. I think it was on a Sunday, and we're just talking shop for an hour, and then it just kind of kept going from there. Then we got your boss on, then we got a couple random people, and then 20 episodes later, we're talking to Jordan Belfort while he's in Manhattan Beach like a maniac. The wolf. The wolf. Not the wolf, the wolf. Man, <laughs> the wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw in that uh, when I do the throwback episodes that we've released now and every once in a while on Monday, you can tell the progression and just how much better it sounds now. Oh you go back to some of those older ones and it sounds like you guys like could tell you guys had 
legit mics you just didn't know how to use them yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like, every podcast sounds like it was recorded by like one of those five dollar pairs of earbuds from the gas station and you guys were also in like a drainage ditch <laughs> in a different room right yeah but uh but interviews were still solid back then and i uh, yeah made the way so you guys had a thought you wanted to build a relationship you say this all the time and i, I posted this in an article recently but Relationships are the currency of life. So the goal mm. was to build relationships, build a network. You're in sales. We all know how important that is. What? So did you guys do a, a practice podcast at all? Did you, you guys? I know you guys interviewed each other at some point yeah. off and on. Um, we? we? We interviewed each other as a practice, I remember. And it was not, it did not go very well. A lot of well. laughs about I, like this. I remember, I remember when we, when we interviewed Rich, it also took us a while to actually publish it. I don't remember. I don't know how long it was. To me, it felt like five years. It was maybe a month or two, but I remember we did the episode, and I don't know about you, I was fucking terrified, terrified. of publishing it. But what people were gonna say, people oh, were gonna yeah. make fun of it. It's gonna be terrible, whatever. And people did make fun of it. People, some people loved it. Some people were like, "Dude, what the fuck are you doing?" Nate Uppis, our friend, hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, shout out to Brian Dowling. I love Brian Dowling, but he gave me shit about it too when we first started. Like, what are you doing? Get up. Like, people just don't do that. But uh, yeah, so once we hit that though, we just, we just kept it moving. Kept it moving. What takes now 20 like- minutes to edit and upload an episode took two weeks. It was terrible. <laughs> On that point of being scared and worried about releasing it though, I talked to you about this because Tom, uh, for those that don't know, is one of my mentors when I got into sales. And um, I recently started posting my own content on LinkedIn, just building my network that way. And I always, for the first few months, was worried about w- w- who would get value out of this or why Why would I do this? And the and I just remember this one Gary Vee comment, and he said, as long as one person gets any value out of it, you've done, you've done what you wanted to do. So if one person gets interaction and value out of it, that's the goal. And that's what you guys wanted. And you definitely got made fun of. I still get shit for some of my peers. Oh, yeah. Alex Banks, looking at you. And um, Alex... <laughs> But you guys did the right thing. You you did what you want to do, and you put the content out there so people got value out of it, and people get value out of it. Look at the numbers. Yeah. I mean, that that's so true that it really – you can get easily get caught in the numbers, whether you're on LinkedIn or doing a podcast or a blog or whatever. But if, like, if people like it and they get value out of it, then it, it really does make it worth it. Like I don't – you know, I've, I've had a sponsor or two on the podcast. I don't really make money from it, but I do get a decent amount of DMs from BDRs that are like, yo – that podcast was sick with Ralph Barcy or whoever. And, um, and that feels good. And it's like, all right, that's worth doing another hour this week and putting it in and, and having that interview. And so I, I definitely agree. Um, T-Dub, I'd love, to, I'd love to get into your uh, background of sales story because you got an interesting one. Yeah, let's do it. So was um, graduated from college in 15, was in a finance role up until January of 21. And prior to that, Everyone knows this. I'm not ashamed to say it. I got divorced, went through a pretty tough divorce on the personal side, and then COVID hit, so the lockdown was happening. You guys were all there for me during all that. And during that time, Ryan, who's my brother, obviously, and uh, my best friend, he was always like, listen, he's been in sales his whole life, and he always said to me, I need to get into software sales. One way or another, need to happen, because we're so similar. I have the personality for it. There's no way I need to be stuck behind a spreadsheet. And between the personal issues happening, the lockdown, I was like, fuck it. Let's, let's, let's make the jump and move. So Ryan helped me prep, get interviewing, and then got a couple referrals in, had a few offers, and ultimately landed at Nexum. And where I'm at now, started as an SDR, was in that role for six months, uh, led every single month in meeting set, Ooh. did a hybrid role for the last six months. So I was doing, 
loosely is a BDR job, but still required to hit a quota for meetings, led every single month in that. The goal was always to double the quota. I believe I did that every single month. And from there, I got to start building my own book. Get, I had great mentors there, Dave Getz, uh, Dirk Nauka, and John Panis, and then my boss, Nathan Ng. I was able to build and just start working on myself that entire time. And now I'm a full-blown AE. I've never been happier in my entire life. There's, I can't believe I did anything else but this. I get to be myself every single day. I get to mm. talk to people every single day, build relationships, go out, hang out, um, grab some drinks, grab some meals. And there's no other job in the world that allows me to be what I call a competitive psycho, which is what I am. <laughs> and I get to be that with this job, and I'm so pumped about it. It's, um, and I have you guys to thank for that. You guys are the best. Dude. Welcome. Crazy. I mean, to even think of you as an accountant, now that I really know you, is like, I can't even imagine it. Anyone, Stuck in Excel all day. Anyone I mention that to looks at me like I'm insane. <laughs> Who told you to do that? That was Whatever guidance counselor at Coe College told you to do that should be fired immediately. C-O-E, baby. <laughs> but some horror stories, like, it was terrifying. I, I posted an article about this, too, but I was cold calling inside in sunglasses. I was so nervous. Yeah. I mean, I, I was terrified to do it. I was Ryan had to come over and do it with me for a couple days. And then I finally got a hold of you, and we, you helped me out on a weekly basis, and I just started, just started doing the work, and it just comes easier with repetition. That's what everything is. I mean, same with you, probably. You're probably nervous about doing this initially. You do it for Ryan's podcast, Wrestling Changed My Life. And I'm sure Shout there out. was like times you're like, I don't know if I could do this, but it's over and over the repetition. You're great at it, right? 100%. No, we, me and Ryan were actually just talking about that recently, where it's just like there's always things where it's just like obviously you can keep getting better, but like, I'm at the point now where it's just like, you can look around and it's just like, damn, like that person's where I was at or whatever. And it's like, it's like, I'm like, like, it feels good when you realize where you're at, you know, and you're like, you're like, damn, I can, I can, I can take on whatever. (laughs) Well, like you, you, when you first moved to the big city, you were in a BDR role. I forgot yeah, about that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Email I, prospecting, cold calling. Yeah, that's like, yeah, speaking of nervous cold calling, I uh, my stint as a BDR was short enough where I never got good at it. <laughs> and, uh, but the same thing where it was like, I didn't throw on the sunglasses, but it was like, I had to go to the conference room and oh. like only place I could like get in the zone. I'd sit there like staring at the contact info for like five minutes and just like, <laughs> Heart's just beaten, and I'm like, all right, just gotta do it. And like, and you taught me this. You came into the office, even showed me. It's just like, dude, like people are people. Just they're gonna talk to you. It's just like, had plenty of people who like thought I was a fucking scam caller, and just immediately, yeah, Yeah. would literally tell me to fuck (laughs) off, hang up on me right away. But it's like, but even that feeling was so much better than like the nerves going into it. It's just like, it's like, oh shit. It's like, and then even when that happens, it's like. I had more guts to call them back afterwards, you know what I mean? And After the rejection. How, and how silly is it to be scared to pick up a phone and dial numbers? <laughs> people you don't know. It's, it's embarrassing. It, to is, it's, it is, but it's not though, because when you're 24, you're calling someone who's 38 or 50 and they're a professional. You're like, what am I going to say to you about this little technology I've read a white paper on? Yeah. I remember driving in when we were in the sales training, first 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 weekend was like in the book. Second weekend, cold calling. It was like 100 calls a day. And it was truly the worst thing ever. So nerve-wracking. The one lady said, slow down, you're doing okay. <laughs> so I'm like, the prospect said that? Yeah. She's like, slow down, you're, you're fine. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. It does go away, though. But think about it. Um, we think, like when we were teenagers, we thought a 21-year-old was an adult. 
when we're 21, we think a 30 year old's an adult. All right. these things. I'm 31 right now. I'm not an adult. So, I mean, you're <laughs> scared to call a 35 year old or you're 24. When I'm 35, that's in four years, three years. I'm not going to be much different. It's just you got to get over that mindset. And as soon as you do, you can just excel at it and fly mm-hmm. away at it, right? Yeah. When you were cold calling, give, give us some horror stories. Dude, it's uh, well, I mean, I called someone once that, or I tried to, and the gatekeeper said that they died. That was probably like the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> John Barrow <laughs> said, I don't even know what to say about that. John Barrow says, You haven't cold called till you cold call on someone that's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's raw. <laughs> That's shout so out true. to John Barrows. Ever, shout out. You ever called called someone? They're like, "Yeah, I'll give you sixty seconds." And you go, and they're like, "I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> I have no idea what you do or what your business does, and I'm scared." <laughs> that ever happened to you? That was yeah. No, that was literally when I'm I scared. when I was in the BDR role. It was like because those nerves taking over. It's like it's like hey, I'm, I'm I'd introduce myself, and then they're like. Yeah, but like, what are you calling for? <laughs> like, what what do you do? Who are you with? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> great yeah. question, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it no never, idea. I mean, Give even, us a as horror you, story, even as you get better, though, like, you can get more skill, you can get more confidence. To me, even in, still this day, if you tell me to go like cold call, you still get the butterflies in your stomach. I mean, yeah. even if you're good, you know what you're selling, yeah. you're confident in what you're going to talk about. Just picking up the phone and dialing someone random, like, I still get little nerves. I mean, it, it happens. And it's all about confidence, right? All. All about confidence. You pick up the phone, it manages what your inflection is, manages if you got your pitch down, but it's all about confidence. And let's be clear, on a cold call, I want them I don't want them to say too many words besides yes or no, and I want to hang up within 60 seconds. Yes, absolutely. I want that calendar invite out. You want to be want them in and out. Yeah, and I want to be sweating when I'm done. <laughs> and episode 17, sports psychologist Michael Gervais, where does confidence come Always from? Always compete. Comes from what you say to yourself. Respect. Okay. I was going to say preparation. It's actually three things. It's if preparation, <laughs> past experience, and what you say to yourself. Because yeah, past experience. Tom gave us a nice. third of the recipe there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like that was the one that was going to really. He left out the re- fucking salt. The that one was going to be the one that really dialed if it in. If you're prepared, though, you feel good. Yes. If you're prepared, you have past experience where you book meetings. Yep. And you're telling yourself, you're getting yourself hyped up. Listen to some young Jeezy before you make a call. You're good. That's life, though, right? Yeah. Be prepared for what That's you're doing. Hundred percent. When I was in my prime, going into the office, you're still in your prime. From sales prime. Coming from you're, you're the train. Are you like two hundred percent to go this year? Coming from the train to the office at Salesforce, which is six blocks, I would have the headphones in, and it was like. Oh. Kill mode, bro. So, um, Going uh, in like kill mode. Let's talk about that because that's something you detoured, detoured me away from. Sorry if I'm hijacking this, Tom. But you detoured me away from that mindset when I started. You said, in all honesty, people didn't like you at Salesforce, right? Because you were yeah. vicious. You were hungry. You are competitive. You're only, you weren't there to make friends. You were there to make money. Yeah. Tell us about how that wasn't mm. the right way in your mind. It, it wasn't. Now. It wasn't. It wasn't because you can accomplish the same things and be friendly. I just wasn't overly friendly, and so it wasn't because, you know, it's just more fun to do things with your friends, and everyone's having a good time. Yes. But at the same time, it was just the principle of, I'm here from 7 to 5, which I was the first person to leave because I wanted to get home, but I'm getting shit done between 7 and 5, and I'm out of here. See, I felt the same way. When I went to Tech Target straight out of school, I'm a competitive cat. I I don't like to lose. I remember there's 17 of us in the sales class. We're all in the in a circular table. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, I'm going to fucking kill this person right. and this person. And it's just, I mean, that just comes from a sports background, I think. And yeah. just being kind of a sicko. And it was good. It it helps. I think if you have that mindset the first year of your sales career, 
I think that's actually helpful because you got to get through some shit. The first year, you're going to hit some major adversity, and you're either going to quit, like most people usually do with sales. It's like not right for them. They want to do something else. But if you're going to get through, you got to get through something tough. And then after that, I think it just gets easy to get burnt out if you're in sales or anything else, if you're competing against people too, too well intensely. Said. So I wrote an article about competing, and one of your comments is – I'm surprised you said that because one of your comments was – you really get to a point, the competition really is between yourself. And yeah. You don't got to be this external competitor because everyone else has to do their job. If they don't, that's not on you. Right. But your comment was something along the lines of the competition is really between you and yourself to beat your own goals, right? right. That's when the real competition begins. So I didn't know you had the same mindset as Ryan when you first started. I, I wasn't aware of that. The first year, yeah, I was a fucking maniac. And I had good friends in, this, in the sales class too, but shout out to Ryan Rougeau, shout out to Colin Akers. I would have slit their throats to get <laughs> to sell one more dollar than them the first year. Sorry, And Kankers. then someone came up to me um, and was like, dude, you're kind of cocky. And I'm like, damn, I didn't really know I was displaying myself that way. And then over time, I felt like I was getting so intense that I was burning myself out. And it was just easier afterwards to root for other people because you selling doesn't mean I can't sell. Exactly. If anything, that's a good thing because I can learn from you. It means the product's doing well. It means all these good things. And you know, people like you and it just, that only will enhance your career if you have that attitude, I think. And on a related note, so like, and this goes for everyone, but what, how good of a feeling is it once you're able to, you're not, you haven't mastered it, right? But you're at a position where you, if someone wanted to get an editing podcast, you could do that. And we'll go around talking about how people, how you guys are helping people in your role. But starting with you, how awesome of a feeling is it to be so good at it where you can start helping other people? It's wild. Like, uh, kind of like what I was talking about earlier. It's just like, it just kind of, I don't know, it happens upon you. And it's just like, you kind of realize it just clicks and it's just like, holy shit. Like, right. and it's not like it adds responsibility, I guess, but it's just like, but yeah, it's just like knowing it's just like, man, other mm -hmm. people can't do what I do, which yeah. is like, it's weird. Sometimes you got to like tell yourself that and like, my bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to tell yourself that and just, uh, Especially for you guys in sales, like we were talking about how fucking how fucking nerve wracking it is. It's just like you got to realize, it's just like there's a reason why you're in that position. It's like there are people who they cannot make that cold call, either. right? Mm -hmm. Like so, like yeah, for me, it's just like if someone comes comes upon me and they're like, they're like, hey, can you help with this? It's just like it gives you like a confidence, confidence, but it also like I don't know, it just like gives you a satisfaction. It, that's satisfaction. That's not what I'm looking for. Right. It tells it tells you what you're like. Just, I don't know if purpose is the right word either, but it's just like it's like it's man, fulfilling. Like, fulfilling. That's what it is. Cause it's like it's like man, this is like it's like someone's actually coming to ask me about this. Like, Love like it's wild. And uh, I do want to say real quick. Yeah, you got to clear up the BDR stent. Clear let's, it out. Let's clear yeah. the air. Clear the air. Let's clear the air. <laughs> so yeah, we'll clear the BDR thing. Cause as we mentioned, I was at a, I was in a BDR position for a short time. My job was working for a business where our whole thing was bringing startups. And investors together. Uh, we had two to three <laughs> events a year. And as most people know, the events business at the beginning of COVID was not thriving. Decimated. So decimated. When, uh, yeah, literally the, the business was decimated in about three weeks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like after that, Tom basically saved my life. If you guys think Tom Let's has go. anything for the Let's world. Let's go. We're just talking about Let's ourselves helping other people. It's like... Tom was half my income at one point. Let's Maybe boost that ego up income, over there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, just one of those things where it was like, I was like, holy shit. I thought I was about to have to move back in with my parents. Right. I was like, what the hell is happening right now? Like, did this virus really, like, did COVID just fuck up my whole life? Yep. But, uh, Damn. 
So sales, even though I got out of a sales position, it's like still you're still selling. I'm still in it. You're like, still it's selling. Like, I mean, I'm still here. <laughs> I mean, you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> We'd love to have you back, dog. You have your own. You have your own business you're running now. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's everyone's wild. in sales. Wild. Truly, though, you've been <clears throat> coming up on this will be three years in August or two years in August. This will be. I moved here in uh, September 2019, so this will be three years. In that time, you've gone from nothing to knowing now running a small podcast production business. It's wild. Supporting yourself. It's wild. amazing, dude. Amazing. Appreciate it. Crazy. And before we move on. Snake, man. Hey, Dr. Lake, baby. Let's, let's go. Appreciate it. Dr. Lake in that house. And before we move on to how Ryan and Tom are, are giving back in that way, talk about, because Lake's Ryan and I's cousin, for those who don't know, we're from a small rural area. Talk about how unlikely it was that you would be living here and, pod, and your job is producing podcasts. Well, that's uh, one of the things that my parents always told me growing up was like, and like even when you guys moved here, like it was like, I, well, I'll start it out by, I came to visit on New Year's, I think, for the first time. That was the first time I'd ever been to Chicago. I was like Come on. 20, I think I was 20 years old, and I was like, holy shit. Like, this is the dream. Like, I gotta, I gotta be here. I had never seen anything like it. I'm driving down Lakeshore Drive for the first time. I'm just like, That's almost getting an ocean. accident every 30 feet because I'm like <laughs> looking at shit. And my parents told me my whole life, just like, you'll never be able to afford to live there. And it's like, well, it turns out it's maybe fucking 50 to $100 more than our hometown. <laughs> it's just like, it's like they just had this weird conception of it. It's just, uh, got me. Yeah, it's, it was, it's really unbelievable still to this day. The fact that I'm just living here. It's the like, best. It's, it's crazy, man. It's the crazy. Best. Yeah, and you live with Ryan for a few months. We lived together a few months. Now you're on your own. That's legit. So you can't, can I just butt in on one thing that Lake just said? You can't, I'm not going to turn this into a Eric Thomas motivational video here, but you can't, Listen to what other people are saying is the right thing for you or the wrong thing for you or what you can or can't do, by the way. Because that's just what they're th saying about their own shit that they went through, especially if they're older, you know, our parents or whatever age. Like, they're just trying to put that on you. So if you want to fucking live in Chicago and you want to produce podcasts or whatever, you can go fucking do that. Yep. So I just had to say that. You're not, uh, you're not exposed to those mentalities very much when you are surrounded by three cornfields and a river. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, what saying, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, though. That's what I'm saying. That's why people are listening to the podcast. Right, right, dude, for real. And for that's real. why it's even more impressive, right? I mean, you, just for folks that don't know, when Lake described his living situation, that is literally what was surrounding your house. There was no neighbors. You lived on a gravel road. I mean, Crazy. It was, that's what it was, and now you're here. It's legit. So giving back, once you realize to the point where you are, Tom, you are able to give back. Obviously, the podcast, you're my mentor, you're mentoring many people. You just got a friend of yours, a job as a BDR via referral. Shout out Lucy Grove. How good? Bozeman, Montana. Is it fulfillment? Is it pride? Is it accomplishment? Is it everything? What is the feeling you get when you're able to help young professionals out, such as myself? I mean, it's at this point, it's, it's like my biggest passion in life like that's why like the goal would be to be able to do that professionally and i love selling and i love you know doing that day to day but like doing the podcast stuff mentoring people coaching people like that that gets my wheels turning like that gets me fired up and it's it it is equally selfless and selfish because when oh, you yeah. help someone everyone knows you help someone you give a homeless person a dollar you help your friend move whatever it just feels good like it gives you confidence. It makes you feel good, gives you energy. And so that's why I do it. Because when I talk to you about sales stuff and I helped you out with a, you know, an issue you're having, like it helped you, it helped me. That's great. Like that it's, it's a win-win all around. And so 
I feel like that's there's so many people that you know, there's a quote from Arnold Schwarzenegger, something to the extent of like, there's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. It's right. like there's always a village of people that help you get where you're at. If it's your family, your friends, mentors, bosses, coaches, whatever. And so we all got that. And so it's I feel like it's your responsibility once you hit any level of anything to like pay it forward and I, hopefully forever. I love that. Now pivoting to you, this is going to be a little different. How much better of it? So when you started coaching wrestling, mm-hmm. how much better of a wrestler did you feel that you became? <clears throat> it's a similar, similar thing. Great point. And it's so true. It's like when you have to step back and explain something to someone, you start to understand the steps right. that make up the whole. Yep. And, you know, mastering the steps, you get better at the whole. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy to, to think about it that way. And, you know, I don't know how much I've done of, like, direct, you know, like coaching and managing like Tom's done, but I bet it would be pretty eye-opening to see that. Yeah, and I, I was able to just do my first kind of session via intro from you for Philip Laux. Shout out, Phil. Um, he might yeah. be uh, – he was interested in talking about the position – and you're right. It. I guarantee you I got more out of it. I can't guarantee it, but I got. I felt I got as much out of it as he did, right? Because it was. You're right. It's self selfless and selfish. I don't. I don't know how they can be both, but they are. It is. Yeah. But yeah, you have absolutely. to like. I just feel like it's an obligation once you go into sales to pay it forward because growing up, no one knew about that job. No that one. Everyone. I felt bad that I wasn't going to be a doctor, engineer, or lawyer. Like I was never yeah. going to. I've felt bad about myself my whole life. Dude, tell me about the call you had to make when you told either mom or Nana that you weren't going to law school. I thought I was going to be a car salesman. And uh, <laughs> go, go tell tell the background. Of no, it's just you were uh, in law school. No, I never went to law. Well, applied to law school. Okay. Applied to law school the first time. Literally got into zero out of eight. And were, were, were you not the first? Sorry. I don't know if I'm making this up. Were you the first in your family to go to college? Yep. yep. Okay, so you're the first in your family yep. to go to college. Yep. You're applying to law school, New- which on paper is like first in the family to go to college, applying to law school. Like this, our son or he our whatever it. is going to be fucking, he's going to be rich. But knew he's nothing about serious applications. <laughs> Did terrible on the test. Got into zero out of eight schools. <laughs> nothing. Literally Nothing. I go to grad school because I got a, I won a scholarship to go to grad school, so I didn't have to pay. Two years to retake the test. I retake the test, do a lot better. While I'm applying and retaking it, I meet two mentors that changed my life that said, you should go into B2B software sales. And I'm like, word, okay. <laughs> like, what is that? And uh, you know, they basically told me, and I'm like, okay. And the thing that was key is that business to business. You're selling to business. You're right. not working for a life insurance company, cold calling, selling to 60 year old geriatrics. I was right. like, that's interesting. So yeah, that was like, once you get someone that lucky though, telling you that, and it turns your whole life around, you got to pay it forward. Cause tell, people, enough people don't know about it. Yes. And tell about the call you had to make though. What's that? To mom, you or either mom or Nana? Yeah. I mean, just basically <laughs> like, just like you can imagine anytime you leave the nest and you're leaving a stable career, no one in my family knew about sales. Call him up, and mom was just very upset. Wouldn't speak to me. Crying. For weeks. Crying. Mean. Thought I was crazy. Shout out to Mama Jack. And then, uh, then I took her to the Salesforce Tower, and she changed her tune. <laughs> <laughs> changed her tune. Is a, the whole lobby was a two-story flat-screen TV that... <laughs> That plays a waterfall billions made by sales. Yeah. <laughs> just, and I'm like, this is where I work. <laughs> but that's something, Crazy. and not to come back to John Barrows again, but I'm obsessed with them as Tahoe JB. knows. 
his one of his missions in life with his company, JB Sales, is to change the image of salespeople because yeah. a lot of people have that negative image. Uh, what Ryan said, a used car salesman, and a lot of in movies they portray, they portray a successful person as a lawyer or doctor. You always hear those two professions, right? Yeah. You can make boatloads more money being in sales. Absolutely, and de- depends on how you define success, obviously. But it's also the quality of life, though, too. Yes, like it's it's. Um, I have some friends that are lawyers. They literally work 100, 120 hour work weeks every week, and you know maybe they're defending a company that's products causing cancer. You know, I don't know. Like, there's just all kinds of scenarios. Yeah. I just compared to that because that was almost my life being a lawyer, and yeah. so I just think that the quality of life is so nice, and like the more you work, the more you make, and that autonomy like gives people purpose. Like, if you're owning your own fate, it just feel better about your life. Yeah, you know. And if you a, believe in what you're selling. I mean, that's everything. It's everything. Whether it's a a software that you truly believe is going to help the customer or, you know, I've had people on the podcast that were selling, you know, some sort of like medical equipment that was going towards like fighting cancer. And that's like, I mean, that's a cause to get behind. So, you know, there's a lot of, and you can sell a product that sucks too. And you could sell something that is terrible for the world or, you know, the environment or whatever, you know, so like you could do harm with sales too, just as you could as yeah. a lawyer or a doctor, but you, if you find something you believe in and that you know is going to help other people, then that just adds to the fulfillment equation. But you hit on it. And one of the best things about the job, in my opinion, is the autonomy. And you have this with your own schedule, right? Obviously, you have deliverables, you have goals, you have stuff you have to do, but you can do it at your own pace. How nice is that as opposed to punching a clock nine to five? Uh, it's it's nice, but like I'm not going to act like it's not nice in the sense that I live at my office. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Fair, like, fair. I uh I don't know. I'm one of the, like, I wish I had an office to go to still. That was what, like, because that was, like, when I had my BDR role, there were some days where I'd work from home. Not often, but it happened every once in a while. And it was just, like, and, like, my boss knew. It was, like, yeah, you, you can get shit done. It doesn't have to be in the office for it. And I love that. But it's just, like, man, that mindset switch when you actually get out of your place and you have somewhere to go. And, like, yeah. it's, like, you, I don't know. It's, like, you zone in because you're, like, uh, yes. it's, like, I know, it's like you're in the bullpen. You're in the you're office, baby. Yeah, you're yeah. like, you're, you're getting ready to go, you know? There's so, no doubt it does make an impact, yeah. 100%. When you went directly um, after Salesforce is when you were at a different company and you were fully remote, were, did you struggle initially being on your own and out of the office? Maybe for like a week, but since I got into sales, all my mentors told me the end goal is to be an outside sales rep where you cover a group of customers, you work from home, that's the end goal. And so mm-hmm. I knew that was where I was always going. Like, even though I maybe only spent two years at Tech Target, two years at Salesforce and a year at a startup, my whole goal was just to be an outside rep and just work from home because mm-hmm. I knew that was like what my two mentors had done. So yeah. I, for like a week, I was a little weird. I was still living with Tom and I was kind of like, man, but honestly, I was working remote way before COVID and I would, I would never go back at this point. So when you were, um, I thought you started that job when you went to Chicago, you were working remote in SF still? For like a month. Okay. Got it. For like a month. What about you? Did you have, was Gong your first fully remote? Well, we went remote when I was at Tech Target was when COVID hit. Oh, okay. And we'd have days here and there where you could work from home, but they, they like to keep an office environment. Um, but I was actually managing a team when COVID hit. Um, and then fucking one of my got my best rep quit. And then someone, some other rep got let We laid them off. And so then two of my four, you know, I only had two of my four reps left. And then so... Then the manager role is like kind of obsolete, and so then at that point, I haven't been back to an office since you know March of uh, of 2020. Word yeah. on the street, 
is that Gong's getting something going in Chicago soon, but Come on. We, have, we haven't uh, seen the final details on now, that Now, are yet. you Let's someone go. who's in the late camp where you get a little extra juice going in, or do you, would you prefer the remote? I like a, I like a hybrid play. Uh, yeah. I like, yep. Here's what I want. I want there to be an option with no obligation. Yep. I don't want like <laughs> you a have millennial to. millennial thing. Fuck <laughs> 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 Millennial sales, baby. Pay the rent. Millennial Keep sales. Keep the stock full of yeah. beer and maybe I'll come in. Maybe once a month. Just burning company cash. I don't, oh I don't want a Tuesday, Thursday, office, Monday, Wednesday, See, Friday. I want, hey, what about- here's an office. We've got 100 people at Gong, 50 people at Gong that can come in. It's probably going to be like a WeWork or something. Come in when you want. Don't come in when you don't want. What That's about what a I mandate want. of three days a week? Don't Sorry? like it. A mandate? mandate of three days a week. In the office? Like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're in the office. Every every Monday, Friday, work from home. Look out, folks. I Big government's here. Mandates. I, yeah, mandates. I mean, I'm asking, I don't... I don't like, look about all the mortgage, all the rent they're paying uh, for these spaces. I don't I know agree if it's enough for me mandate. to... It, it's probably one not enough for me... One day mandate? Just one day. That okay. way it's just like... But again, like you said, hybrid, where it's like everyone has the options. Like Because if you do... Because, yeah, anyone can pick one out of the five workdays to come in. And it's yeah. no right. problem. Okay. And chances are that's going to... Like they're just gonna they're, they're gonna ride that and they're gonna come in more days than that and like and that one day a week does guarantee that the they're like yeah we are at least paying for this for something right here's the thing though companies I think are are smart enough at this point where based on everything that happened you have to decide you're either because I've talked to sales leaders that some of them are like we're only hiring we're in office we're an in office company now mm-hmm. and that's your thing cool you do that. And there's some people, some companies that are like remote forever. It's never going to change. That's cool. You got to choose your lane. You can't like hire people based on hybrid or based on remote and then say, now all of a sudden you got to come in three days a but, week. That's not what I said. That's yeah, not what you signed up I for. I will say though, the first four years of your career, if you're not in the office, you're at a huge disadvantage. It's tough to start. You start, you, so you've never but been in a But you've been fit. a professional for four to five years. It's different, but it's still infinitely harder. I was going to agree with you because yeah. one of the things I struggled with the most on in the earlier months was, and you kept t- constantly telling me, I was at such a disadvantage by not being in a sales pit. And my boss would tell me that. And and I, I could see both sides of it because I told you guys how nervous I was before. Yeah. I could see how I would hate it, but I could also see how like the camaraderie, like when I do go in a couple times every now and then, it's awesome to have the, all the sales guys in the sales pit yucking it up and talking shit. But um, just think about how much you learn though. Like I just remember like so many conversations. I walk by someone's desk and you have this report up. I'm like, why do you got that up? He's like, oh, I can see so and so's revenue by this column. I'm like, oh shit, that's genius. And then you you hear someone else on a call and you're like, that's the dude who's like beating me. I'm like, he sounds great. Yeah, yeah. he sounds so. <laughs> It sounds way better than me. <laughs> and you're like, it just, uh, I just think it's super valuable. In I miss first those four days, to five years days. to be in the office though. Totally. To I envied, um, when you were at tech target, so you, you took me to the office and you guys literally had a sales bell sales bell. Oh, the best. That's the coolest One shit ever for every 10 grand of the deal. Yeah. So, so sometimes a, a person at Salesforce too. No, tech target. Target. Oh yeah. Tech. That was the best, but you'd go up there and like, they'd be ringing 20 times, 30 times. You're like, Fucking 300? 400? <laughs> and it's not, yeah. I was never there for the big ones, but there's been a couple million ones where it's like a hundred rings and people are like, Hey, that's Tommy Deals right here. Yeah. A million. I don't Come know. on. Let's go. We can say that Let's publicly, go. but we can say yeah. We'll bleep it out. We'll bleep it out. We'll bleep yeah. it out. Yeah. People are looking, they're like, Tom's at 10 rings. He's at 20. He's like, is he going to keep Dude, going? Those, that- the ring, people would get, even if you only had three rings, people would just get Fucking hype. Well, I, like, I would lose count. 1.5 mil of 10, 10K. I don't even know what that number is. I got that video on my phone. That was my proudest moment. It was fun because like we were in a row of, uh, of sales were like this and like the 
gong was or the bell was on that door and like the guy would get up or the girl would get up and you kind of look around and everyone would be like <laughs> you, walk yeah. the, you walk around to it and everyone starts oh i love that it was fun it really made it awesome actually so you were always expecting to be a remote sales rep at some point absolutely got it what about you never really crossed my mind yeah uh, there there's there's always seems to be kind of two paths if you if you want to be in sales for a long time there's like in a like older like experienced AEs that chose that life they're like be a remote rep enterprise rep go live in San Diego or Chicago or a cool city and travel and do your meetings and just like you know work your own schedule and just make a shit ton of money and that's a great path that's a great life and then there's the other path where it's like all right, you got to like you if you want to get into management, you might need to be in the office. You might make less money early on, but you maybe have more progression to be like a VP or whatever you want to do down the line and right. it just interested me more to try to figure out like a management path versus like the enterprise AE, although doesn't sound bad. Looking at you right now, you're at what 180 percent to goal with four months left in the. I'm at can we drop some stats? Guy hasn't showered in a month. <laughs> at, a, at five months left, but I think it's just I don't um, like you said. You love the management and the mentoring. Yeah. I like it like once a quarter where someone's like, "Hey, I got a cousin who's trying to get into sales." I'm like, "Yeah, let me talk to him for 20 minutes. Right. Then I'm done with it. Right. <laughs> I'm not gonna handhold all week. I yeah. Got yeah, my own things going on. Yeah. You know." So the two paths you just talked about, yeah. one is what Ryan mentioned earlier, fully outside, wants to be do that only. You mentioned the, the management path. So I got two questions for you. Hey, me. You guys clearly are different there. So let's talk about it. I mean, let's talk about why, it. why does that fit you better? And why does that fit you better? Why, why does management not appeal to you? And why does it appeal to you so much? I feel like it's kind of a, a two pronged thing. One, it goes back to what I was saying before about the fulfillment of, of trying to help others. To me, that's just what jazzes me up. Like, Having a 30-minute conversation with someone that I can help out gets me more excited than closing a big deal. It just does. Um, the second is that... More than ringing the bell? For, for real? For real, yeah. Amazing. And ringing the bell is, is sick. Don't get me wrong. And sometimes it's like, man, you know, those paychecks are nice. But the, the other thing is that I just felt like over time, when I envisioned myself like 10 years from now, if I was an enterprise rep at wherever, you know, Salesforce, because we mentioned it, and just closing like 500k deals. I just don't know if I'm going to stay motivated doing that same thing over and over. I feel like I need a little bit more variety. Yep. And I think the the concept of a manager helping a rep applies only if the reps are young. Like my boss isn't developing any of the reps on my team. And sure. not yeah. any of the reps there. I'm the youngest rep on my team. These are all like 55-year-old legit pros who don't need monsters. any coaching monsters killers bro <laughs> they've been working with this account for 20 years they're like there's no coaching going get the on. fuck out so yeah. it depends on what role you are i do think it would be nice to maybe be like a vice president and make some you know it's a lot more stressful job but i just like the freedom to me the most important thing in life is being free yes and i just mm. totally you know at my at my leisure totally at my own control of things and I don't get my passion from, I don't get like my sense of fulfillment from the job. So I'm okay if I don't get that there. Yeah. Because I'm doing it through the hobby, the podcast. That's big. So that's where I, I kind of, I'm like, all right. And I I just, actually, the more I'm in the outside sales role and I talk to some of these guys, like I was with a guy last week, his only account's Dell. And another guy where his only account's Walmart. These guys are like 45, super smart. And they're like more into the weeds than I am. So I'm actually getting excited about 
the uh, the skills it takes to sell to one account for 15 years. I mean, that's a whole nother level. That's big boy sales. Though those guys are legit. <laughs> they know five thousand people at those companies. No, and they're selling. They might do a five million dollar deal, and it takes two years. Right. And they make a million off, and they're done for a year. And that's like, I don't know. That's I I don't want that. I like having 80 accounts to call on, but that is what a lot of reps do. And yeah. I used to think that was the only way to do it. So, Going back to a little bit of the in-person stuff, you just got back from your first in-person QBR in two to three years, right? Yep. Roughly. Yep. You came back legitimately with a different. You were you were jazzed. So you were excited. Pumped. And you you, you were talking <laughs> to me about prospecting because I'm still building out my book. Um, I'm in more of a hunter role than you are. But you came back. You're like, dude, I'm prospecting every day now. I'm pumped about it. What was it? And that goes back to the in-person thing. Yeah. That you wouldn't have got that if it was a virtual fucking QBR. I just like Fair. being at. Yeah, absolutely. The in-person was awesome, but I just like being around people who are really good at their job. And I'm like, man, I was just inspired by all the people we work with that they're all like A-level professionals. You yeah. know, I'm like, man, that just so killers. It makes you want to step your game up. Why would yeah. you want to be average? Yeah. You know, so I just think it was impressive to me, like how far some people go to build relationships and do that. Like, it's just, and like, honestly, like what it reminds me of is that it's not even about like, I'm not even that passionate about selling load balancers. Like, I don't think anyone would say they're passionate about selling load balancers. I think it's just being passionate about being just someone who's friendly wants to help someone out. Like, when yeah. you call a customer, it's just like a buddy, yep. and you're just trying to help them solve a problem. Yep. And that's how the best reps think about it. And so I'm like, man, I need to be more like that. Because mm. I could be a little transactional at yeah. times. And, yeah. And every mentor you've introduced me to, whether it was pre-interview, post-interview, whatever, I'm sorry, like pre-sales or post-sales, they all say that. It's all about the relationship. All about it's all the about the long term. It's all about legitimately helping in the not the transactional piece like you mentioned. Well, that's why I think you did so well with it because it's just about being a normal person. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to hear actually, Lake's I want to hear Lake's take. Yeah, so no, that's uh that's something I want to talk about because when you mentioned that, like, yeah, you've only been remote and like going back to what you're saying about like you guys were like hardos when it kind of first started. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's like that's why it doesn't matter if it's sales or any other role. It's like, you do need to have those in-person interactions because it's like, when you get hired at a new job, no matter what the position is, it's so much easier to just like, keep your head down and like, all right, I'm, I'm not talking to anyone. I'm fucking scared of everyone. I don't know anyone. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to get my shit done. But then just like, like you were saying, it's just like once everyone's there to help each other. They're all they're all your they're all your your buddies out there. Like yeah, you guys are yeah. all you guys are in the field together. It's like you got hired in that position so that you guys can all help each other and stuff. And it's just like so like that's like that's wild to me how uh or I guess that you're lucky in a sense that like you had these guys in Huge. the sales role to like let you know that like hey like there are these things that you have to know that you would have learned in the in on the floor but right. you didn't right. get to. Dude, I mean so lucky having these guys and. Luckily enough, I work for such a great company. Or after three months, um, I, we had monthly or biweekly team happy hours or whatever. And after it was March, I called my boss, who was Megan at the time. Shout out to Megan Harris. Megan. I was like, hey, can we do an in-person happy hour? I can't take this anymore. I'm like, I'm too talkative as it is. I'm talking over every single little window in this happy hour, in this Zoom. I can't fucking take it. Let me book a happy hour and let's do this moving forward. And I didn't even... I didn't even meet anyone until then. I met most of my team members at a happy hour that I orchestrated after three months of being at the company because I just couldn't be around. I couldn't not be with my people anymore, dude. It's it's crazy because the first six months in sales is a humbling, lonely, soul-sucking, oh. ex where you're just questioning everything. <laughs> oh. You feel like, you feel small in life. Like, you just oh feel like, God. you're like looking at another company. You're like, 
those reps don't ever have to deal with this. I should just go work there. You're right. like three months in trying to interview somewhere else. It's, it's like, the worst. what the hell are you doing? So like doing it alone is just, it's just, uh, honestly, almost impossible. If you're not already five years into your career. And yeah, that helped. Cause I yeah. obviously, uh, I started as a SDR role at 30 no, no. years. Yeah. 30. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yep, at 30 years old. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I was 10 years into my career, career path or whatever, but because most w- SDRs are 23. Exactly. And, and yeah. honestly, that was one of the barriers I had. Remember, you're trying to help me with all the big companies, whether it was Salesforce or Oracle, whatever. I couldn't even get past the HR screening because I was, and, and this probably wouldn't what they say, but I was definitely too old to get those SDR jobs. Which is fucking bullshit because <laughs> so many people that I've had on the pod that I know personally that are CROs now started in, a bunch of them started in accounting, finance, consulting. Oh, yeah. Some of them were teachers. Some of them were you know, bartenders, some of them were cooks, some of them, like they had all these different types of jobs and like they made their way and th- those led the path to, for them to be successful. It didn't necessarily build their sales skills, but it built their hard work and their work yeah. ethic and their attitude. And nowadays, like you see, I mean, I talk to people all the fucking time that are in other industries that are trying to get jobs in tech and that's the, that's the new wave. And so maybe these big companies are not catching on, but startups certainly have. And, you know, companies like Nexum where it's like they'll hire you because, you know, they saw something in you and you have lit it up yep. for the first, you know, two years. And so I think that's the trend moving forward. Real, real quick, let me throw this in. Like, that is a stigma that needs to be broken because it's crazy that you brought that up. I, I had never thought about that because when I was in my BDR position, I just thought I was too young. Really? And like, yeah, but Ooh. like, but I've been bald since I was 19. So <laughs> I, I swear, no, I swear when I was on LinkedIn, I was like, this is half the reason why any of these people even talk to me because they think I'm older than I actually am. It's like, sure. they found out that it's some 21-year-old calling them. Like, they're going to be like, get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a, uh, and I really felt that. So it's, uh, it's, so I guess that, yeah, you just got to be somewhere between, like, you got to be right around 25 or something. I don't know what the sweet spot is, but. I, I, yeah, I, I you're like, right. I mean, they almost are looking, in, in the way I, in the way I, what I get gathered from it was they're looking that they can mold somebody into the next step. Yeah. I'm already, I already have a mold, right? I'm already, I'm already to a point where I'm, I'm obviously open to learning. I was new to sales. So I would, I would take any of their advice, but they're looking for someone with as green as it gets. No mold them. It, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah, man. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, how about you lead into the question? No, no. I was going to say how brutal it was when you first started interviewing, introduced me to interviewers or have me apply. Dude, I would get so many auto-reject emails that was, I'm oh, like, dude, I'm never no. going to get out of this. How world. many, can we, all right, can we dive more into this? Yeah. Because I'm talking to a decent amount of people, I feel like, that are not in tech, whether like my cousin was in college, I was trying to get him a job. They just got Lucy the job at a spot. And like other people, shout out to Lucy. I mean, I don't double know. shout out, <laughs> double <laughs> shout out. But okay. so because it's rare. So so I'm trying to talk to them, and I haven't been through the process in a while. How many times did you think you got rejected on applications? I only actually got two in person interviews. I applied to over thirty. Wow. How many did you get ghosted versus you got no's? Like when you sent your resume. Or no ghosts. It was always the auto HR reject email. Wow. I never even got to... Because once I could speak so to 28, someone... 28. 28. 28 out of 30. I could easily... Once I got to That's speak crazy. to them... Dude, That's crazy. That's fucked. I mean, if all you have to do to get the best job of your life is take 28 rejection emails, that's a pretty easy path. It is, but it's crazy that you have someone that has eight years of work experience as an accountant. Right. 
and motivated. you're going at the you're motivated, you're hungry. Whether they know it or not, you have a brother that has been in the field for 10 years and you can get in, you have a wrestling background. Yep. And you can't just get in at the entry level for an interview. That's fucking ridiculous. True. And that's crazy. The two interviews I got in person, I got offers from. So I was batting a thousand, yeah. but I couldn't even get past the the HR email. And I, Ryan would help me with the appropriate people to talk to. And even after they're like, yeah, listen, they're looking for someone with either no experience or some experience. I'm like, what do you I'm both. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you want? I'll, I'll delete my resume. I'll fucking, I'll change my birthday, motherfuckers. I mean, my <laughs> resume. It was insane, man. It, yeah, it was just there was just no chance. I couldn't even get into a sales training program. Wow. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that uh, I'll just say on that though, it's it's so disheartening if you're only if you get denied by twenty eight out of thirty, oh. and especially oh when God. we're talking about and like you just mentioned, it's just like once you find. What like when you agree with what you're selling, it's like that. That's what gives you that fulfillment. But it's just like, so what about for those people that don't get accepted? They find their dream job is is taking applications, and you find five similar jobs, all five of them deny you, and it's just like, how many people are like, well, do I go settle for a different sales job in a different position that I don't want to be selling something so I can get to that job, or how many people just stop it right there and they just go on and do something else? You know, a lot stop it too early. A lot, and like it too really, early. it's like. So many times early on, any of us who's been in a, it doesn't even have to be sales, any job of difficulty, whether it's you running your own business, just being in sales, first six months, you want to quit multiple times. Like it's, oh, yeah. and like you thought about it a lot. I do say on the podcast quite a bit that if you're in sales, you should give it the full year. Because oh, like what you're saying, yeah. the first six months, first 12 months, you are going to have a moment where you, you want to quit, where you're frustrated, you're pissed off. You might cry. You might call your mom. You might fucking yell at your boss. You check, might yell at your check, significant check, other. Check. I mean, for real, dude. It's it's nuts. And so to get through that is is got to be. I mean, has, well, has the same not happened for being an? I mean, you're an entrepreneur. Let's oh, not. Let's no, not. All those things you were saying. Let's yeah, not, not slow I'm take not, this. I'm not in sales. That's uh, dude. That's everything. You are. You are can you? Sales. Can you we? Are. Can we dive in because there's there's a lot of people I've had on the pod that are um, entrepreneurial or you know, run their own business. Or, and I think there's a lot of correlations, obviously from sales to that. So, and I want to run a business too. So like, talk to me, Lake, like being a, being everything's on your shoulders. I'm not trying to put the heat on you, but like for real, Bring the heat. you're running your business it's not right? and it's all coming like straight from what you produce. Like, what is the, what is that mentality like? Dude, it's just, uh, that's a tough. How do you handle the ch- what challenges just, have like, you? Ups and downs. What challenges no, have you had that you didn't foresee at the beginning? I don't know. The, to correct the, my question. <laughs> correct my wine. Correct my like, question. No, like to answer you, Tom. It's just like, <laughs> see, I don't know, but like that's that's something we're like, I don't even know if I'm the right person to ask about that because like like we're talking about just like people getting getting working at that. It's like every everything that's ever been thrown at me, I'm like, I'm the worst at saying. I know you have the same problem. I'll fucking accept something and I have no time to do it. Yeah. It's just like, I... Ju- too. We just I'll talked just about this. It. Like, it's just like... Worst. It's like, as soon as someone like hits me with a task, it's like, even if it's something I don't know, and this is... I, I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about just like people asking me for stuff in my position. I don't realize. It's just like, faking it till you make it is kind of real, but at the same time, it's like, if you're faking it, you're actually doing it. So once you actually do it, it's just like... Did yeah. I really think it's like it's like I don't know it's like it's like you just do it even if you think you couldn't do it yeah and you're like 
oh, what the hell? Like, that's uh, that's what's up. And real quick before you dive into whatever you're about to get into next. I was just about to say Gary V says, say yes, figure it out later. Damn, that's... I'm not big on Gary Vee. <laughs> we should one, debate that one. because we got three ardent Gary V followers and one hater. Maybe we'll talk. Keep, go, keep that going, Doctor Lake. Gonna say, Lake. Also, I have a great idea for a podcast for you. Lake's takes. Keep going. That is good. good. Name. Uh, we should do that once a week. You get on and you say something about sales. Dude, that'd be Lake's that'd takes. Be fire. Hey, I'm, I'm not opposed. Just trying to. But, uh, man, that was his idea. Twenty hey, seconds before. What what were you saying right before that though? There's because there's something about that. Otherwise, we'll move on to whatever is next. But there was something that I really wanted to say about uh something we you were gonna ask Tanner before. something about. No, I already asked him about working remote. That yeah. was a while. That was a while ago. What were you just talking about though? Before? He, he asked about you about too early. Quitting too early. No. Man, uh, I'll I'll find it. So let's talk about your. All right, let's. How long have you been doing the the editing for the podcast? Three years. Uh, well, I actually started when I was in my BDR role. Uh, we, Ryan and I convinced the CEO of the company, or <laughs> the CFO, I should say, or CEO, I can't remember. Sorry. Sorry, RJ. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> and he was so fucking in on it. And like, that was where I, I got my ground, my grounding on it. And it was in back to being the BDR. It's like, dude, I was so scared to do mm-hmm. cold calls. I was like, I was like, man, now I only have to do cold calls half the day. Like another half of the day, I get to edit podcasts. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, and it was like, That's and that. then, uh, yeah, and yeah. So it started just kind of as a as another task, but then it was just like, oh shit, like and like what we were saying with yeah, finding the right thing to sell or whatever. Just like me, where it's just like putting out podcasts that I that feel like I know that. Your podcast is making an impact on people. I know the other ones that I'm doing are making an impact on yeah. people. It's like mm-hmm. I couldn't, I wouldn't be motivated at all to do this if I were doing it for. I, I, I can't even bring up an example. It's just right. a, yeah. So when six months in, let's let's talk about your, what, what you're feeling. Six months in, twelve months in, thirty-six months in, just overall, like six months in, you're like, holy shit, I'm gonna have to find an actual job. This is never gonna work. Twelve months, I'm kind of digging. Thirty-six months, you're like, this is my fucking job now, right? I mean, is that what you're feeling? It's uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's a great point because, uh, it's what I was just saying. Great point. One point for Tanner. Oh, hell yeah! No, it <laughs> it is a great point because like, I didn't realize that exactly. Like you said, when I first got into it, I only had, I think, one gig, which was yours, and it was, like, it was like just kind of getting by, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I need to find other jobs or whatever. But I got more work with it, and it was. It, yeah, it just kind of took over where I was like, and then all of a sudden it was just, it was like, I was still looking for other jobs and I was like, wait a second. Why, <laughs> yeah, like, why am I doing this? Like I've, I've, I'm locked in right now. So it's, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a blessing really. Fuck yeah. I love it. I love it. I got, I got one for you. So me. me and you talked about this when we first uh, moved in Chicago together and you hit, hit it on earlier. I was going to say something, but we, we're rolling. You really want to help people is your goal. Yeah, and I I countered with you are helping people with you're at Gong you're selling sales professionals. Yeah, it, it's helping them be better salesmen. Yeah, why do you think that's not enough? I'm not saying you're leaving Gong or anything along those lines. What makes you want to do something I'm other? Not saying that. <laughs> Who's pointing that out? There? What makes you want to leave? No one's ever that. said that. He said it. <laughs> he goes, we're, we're not, not saying, saying that. that. <laughs> what makes you want to? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna edit that out. What makes you want to stop selling? Even though, in my opinion, you are doing exactly what you... It, and I could be wrong, but this is just my view of it. That you are doing what you want. You are helping sales leaders. You are helping salespeople be better salesmen. And that's what you want from what you said earlier. What's the difference? 
Well, I think there's a step there's a step removed when it comes from so, you know, if you're selling, I'm selling Gong. Gong is a software that helps salespeople sell more. So, in essence, if I'm selling, you know, to a VP of sales and he or she gives them Gong and they sell better, then I'm helping salespeople for sure. But it's a there's a middle person in between there. Gong is in the middle, the VP of sales is in the middle, the CFO's in the middle. Whereas if you're just coaching someone, if you're helping them directly, you can kind of see that impact. Like if I'm mentoring you and we're talking every other week on Tuesday nights and you're like, dude, this, you know, we talk about an email thing and then you use it and then you book meetings off it and you tell me about it. I mean, that's just a direct one-to-one. Got it. And so there's, that's the difference. And that's why I moved from, you know, marketing software to LMS to now sales because it's the closest thing I could find. That's the closest hit to what I'm interested in. And that's why I love, and the product's amazing. I, I love working at Gong. But there's there's one extra step that makes the podcast and stuff more fulfilling, which is like, you're just direct with people. Love it. Love one-on-one. It. I mean, what's better than creating something that you just think is interesting anyway and someone else happens to enjoy listening to it's it? It's amazing. It's I mean, just you're a win the, for win. You're, I mean, you're the creative master over here. It's just like fun to think about just making something like, yeah because I, I would like to think of myself as a craftsman a builder like someone makes this table but i can't touch a saw without cutting my finger no so absolutely. i think it's fun to build something creatively that yeah. people where we grew up would be like i'm not gonna say it but they would call you not a manly man for being like an artist or like a right. creative person it was kind of looked down upon and it was like the weird kids in school. If we weren't working at a factory, we were the yeah, right. It Which is crazy to say yeah. because <laughs> you go because you go you look at fucking Mick Jagger or whoever, right. you the know, coolest. it's like oh, they listen to the Rolling Stones, yeah. they listen to Led Zeppelin. They're artists, artists, and artists so, to the highest degree. I just think it's cool that you put yourself out there. Three hundred yeah. episodes, Tommy, and. Uh, you're very plugged into this sales world that which which is what we started with. Yeah. I don't you know, I was gone for a while. Now you're back and really focusing on the sales world. I think it's awesome. I, think I it's appreciate really cool. you. Dude, I appreciate you. So impressive. Three hundred episodes dude. of three hundred of anything is a lot. This is why we did so it. We impressive. did this whole Crazy. thing for the last hour so I get a couple compliments at the end and pump that ego. That's it's three- been a tough last few weeks, so I'm into it. <laughs> That's three hundred give or take three hundred hours of interviews. It's a fucking lot. And if lot. you, like, you think you're a great interviewer, and you are, but if you follow the ten thousand hour rule, you got ways to go, boy. You haven't made a dent on interviews. <laughs> haven't made a, made a fu- so let's stop the fucking paddy wax and the back padding. Wow. Haven't made a even got a thousand. What'd you just say? <laughs> let's stop the. <laughs> <laughs> let's get that in. Let's get yeah, that I in. Thought, I thought about that the other day. I was like feeling good about myself, giving myself some pat in the back, as I'm known to do. And, yeah, how could you not? And I was like, if you count all the interviews I've done, including the documentaries, including TR Talk, maybe I'm at 400 because I've done 320 episodes. 400 hours of interviews compared to the 10,000 hour rule. But well, just, that's just for interviewing. There's a lot of other work that goes into it that you do. Right, but I'm like, talking straight interviews. Interview straight time. interviewing? I mean, Joe Rogan's done, what, 1,000? Three. Three-hour interviews. So he's... Not even halfway there. I mean, he's at like 1,500. 1,500 times three is 4,500. He's still not halfway to 10,000. Plus MMA shows. He's at, how dare you? He's halfway. 
The what shows? You're going right at my guy here. The what shows? <laughs> he's halfway. He probably is, but I'm saying he's someone that does Your point's taken. more than almost <laughs> totally anyone. irrelevant. As long as almost anyone. He's not even at All 10, I'm 10, saying is that it's amazing because most podcasts don't make it past like episode 7 or 10. Yeah. Another Fair. 5% graveyard. don't make it past episode 50. So go to 100 is unheard of. To go to 300, you have the podcast. You're doing it. Yeah. And I just think it's impressive. I but also... You. How the fuck do people get to ten thousand something? That's the hour of mastery. Damn, we got dude. a long so way to go. We're ending on a positive we're note. Hey, on a hey, it's, a, note. it's a note of you can always do more. <laughs> always, yeah. Let's Love go. It. Always. Everyone want to give a little? The little that might be your last round. Anyone else got a little last round? Fuck no, fucking wrap us up, dog. Let's go. What do you got? <laughs> he goes. Who knows? Maybe we'll say. Maybe we'll segue. Maybe we'll start another segue. Who the fuck knows? Let's go. What's up, bro? We should do this every week. This I should be. This is likes takes. This is some of the most fun I've had since I moved to Chicago. And like, it's not as shenanigans as I thought, and it's not as tight as we were in the first five minutes. No, it's good. We're loose. It's good. We're loose. We're chilling. We're adding value. And if one person gets value out of this, then we just spend a, a quality hour, as we would have True. said earlier. We should reopen it now that we're loose. What? No, we're not gonna reopen it. What are you talking about? No. No. Okay. I don't care. I, 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 I wouldn't say anything about opening anyway. So. All right. Let's wrap this up. Anyone else got anything to say? Congrats on three hundred, Tommy. Appreciate three hundred, baby. Let's you. go. Let's show show a little love to anyone that's li- out there listening. We appreciate you. Appreciate you rocking with us for this hour. I can only imagine what it was like listening to all four of us just jabber for Talk an hour over about each other. random shit. So I do genuinely appreciate anyone that's listening, that's tuning in, showing some love. We're 300 down. We got a lot more to go. And uh, hey, we'll be back next week with some more content. Let's keep this shit rolling, baby. Hell yeah. We love you guys. And uh, any executives out there uh, looking to hire, <laughs> I have I have over 130, <laughs> right around 130 millennial sales podcasts edited, listened to multiple times. So I may not have been in the field too long, but oh, I know. I got the knowledge. Shoot your <laughs> shot, Dr. Lake, baby. You Shoot trying to get hired for... Podcast producer or BDR? Dude, I'll take another BDR job. Woo! And if anyone, I'll get back to you. A BDR job in two seconds. What are you talking about? I need one. We can get about how I'm helping people get back into sales, and you didn't tell me. Bro, between the three of us masterminds, you could get a BDR job by the end of the month, bro. I could get you five grand a year. We could get you a BDR job before midnight tonight. See, that's the that's the problem I was just talking about earlier. It's just I don't know the head down thing. You know what I mean? You gotta shoot. Well, get you there, baby. Get you going? All right, if ever everyone gets one ass to the audience, Lakes is to get an interview. What do you got, R Dub? What's your ask for the audience? What ask, you got? Ask for the audience is anything you want. Man, ask for the audience is gonna be two things. Okay, we're pushing it. He goes, the guy gets one. <laughs> two things. Read a book. It's not Ooh, not an love ask. It. The yeah, world's it knowledge is in the books. Sometimes I'm I went through a three year spell of not reading. Been reading lately. I'm really just feeling cleansed it's fulfilled amazing. with it okay two get moving i don't want people stationary out there a little movement throughout the day is big That's great. okay it's great been a advice. brutal winter okay yeah. so lake wants a job ryan's got some motivational advice t-dub tanner warner what do you got for us baby i just want to <laughs> i just want you to go out there and talk to people converse interact we've been away for too long get together people what do you want people what's the ask for the audience Tommy? this is your audience i mean Give it a my, 300 level, baby. My real ask for the audience is if you got something in your head, because I hear all the time I talk to people and they're always asking, we were talking about this earlier, asking how you get started with the podcast, 
How do you start? What do you do? How do you start if you want to get a sales job? What do you do on day one? You just fucking start. Whatever you want to do, whatever's in your head that you're journaling about, that you're meditating about, that you're talking to your friend about, listen to this podcast, finish it, subscribe, and then go do whatever that thing is. Take the first step on it. It'll change your entire life. You'll be fucking a sales leader. You'll be producing podcasts. You'll be running documentaries. All you got to do is take the first step. That's it. 300 out.